Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com. D E B B I M A C K dot com under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. Hi, everyone. My guest this week has extensive experience as a journalist. He's also written two award-winning nonfiction books. In addition, he's the author of the Kyle Dawson series, one of which he's giving away to a lucky reader. I'm pleased to have with me today, author Peter Eichstead. Hi, Peter. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Fine. Thanks. Um, thanks for being with us. Um, All right. My pleasure. Okay. Well, well, first, I have to say that I absolutely loved your guest post. Um, and those of you who are listening, if you haven't read his guest post, just go to my blog for the Wednesday before this podcast and take a look. It's well done. <laughs> um, would you describe your fiction as being what sort of genre? Political thriller? Uh, that's a good question. I've... Um... Uh, yeah, I, I like the thrillers uh, designation, but I also like mysteries. And um, I kind of, I, I would think I've tried to blend the two. Um, I don't know how successful I've been at that, but I, um, you know, like I, I don't really feel like I write genre fiction, but I guess I, I, I guess I do if you need a, to, put it into a category it would be you know like a mystery mystery thriller but i think a lot of people uh, a lot of writers kind of blend genres so uh, uh, i don't know i guess you know that's probably a good good description of it i usually uh what i've done is um if, you know I, I feel compelled to have a story or to tell a story and uh so i uh the way I look at it is I use the devices I need to use to tell that story. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm less, uh, I'm, I'm really more focused on that than anything else and trying to fit into a, a genre. Um, I know um, a lot of times, uh, you know, when you're sending a book out and trying to find an agent or something like that, the agents want to know, you know, what category, and they have all these admonitions on their websites. You know, we don't represent this, we don't represent that, but we do represent this and that. You know, so I don't know. It's sometimes it's hard to uh, make things fit. I'm just thinking from a reader's perspective. Say, who would you compare yourself to? Well, I like. Um, uh, I've always liked to. I'm not going to compare myself to anybody in particular, but I like. <laughs> You know the Raymond Chandler mysteries. I really like those a lot, and that's kind of been my my inspiration. And uh, and then on the other hand too, though I like uh, uh, 
you know, my favorite uh, literary writer is um, Hemingway, although I've, I've written a, I mean, I've read a, and I've, I've followed a lot of other more traditional literary works, but um, I like, the reason I like Hemingway is because I, uh, you know, they're, they're exotic locations and there's lots of action and there's lots of tension and, uh, and I don't mean action like shoot em up, you know, cowboys kind of things, but there's, uh, I don't know, activity, action in the story. So that's, that's what I kind of shoot for. It's my goal. So sort of mystery thriller. Right, right. With a hard-boiled sensibility, let's say. That's a good way to describe it. Sorting <laughs> <laughs> through everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Tell us about Kyle Dawson and what inspired you to write the series. Well, what um, I, I wanted to, uh, uh, I've always thought that uh, journalists would make um, good main characters and stories. And the reason is, is that I, as I you said, I, you know, I read a lot of, I've read a lot of detective fiction and uh, I, uh, and I've been a reporter for my entire life, you know, until I retired. And, you know, I started off as a reporter at the age of 16. And as I, with my own personal experience and then looking at uh, and then reading a lot of private eye fiction, I realized that uh, journalists do a lot of the same work. And uh, we have a, a, you know, we're not motivated by uh, finding out something for a high, play, high paying or secret client. But what we are interested in is finding the same information and verifiable so that we can print a story. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarities, especially if you're an investigative reporter. So that's the uh, that that's my reason for using journalists as a main character. And I thought we we do so much of the same work, and we have um, uh, a lot of the same risks, you know. By uh, you know, I've been threatened, and I know other journalists have, and they'll reluctant sometimes to write a story because you know what's going to happen or you're th the people that are the subject of your story know what's going to happen and uh you know they don't they don't want this information to be made public so you're you're taking a risk mm -hmm. and um anyway between those those two comparisons that's why i i always thought uh like a journalist i said well they're just as exciting and the same kind of dangerous work as a private eye would be. And um, kind of maybe like a public eye, I guess I would say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, that's a good term. I like that. Um, did you intend from the start to write a series about this character? Well, I had, um, that's my, it's been my idea, you know, initially. I thought uh, I could take this character and, uh, put in a, in a lot of different situations in a lot of different places. And um, I, uh, uh, having traveled as much as I have, uh, you know, I, I 
it started off with um, I didn't start off with but my my book Enemy of the People. Um, yeah, you know, it was set in, in uh, northern New Mexico, and um, the title was, uh, you know, inspired by our president who uh, called uh, journalists and journalists journalists enemy of the people because they were digging up dirt, not necessarily digging up dirt, but they weren't, uh, you know, writing down or saying what he said verbatim. And they were also questioning it and checking on the facts and seeing that uh, our president um, kind of lives, you know, it's, it's gone on so much now. It's like, it's kind of obvious that he lives in his own fantasy world. And a lot of what he says doesn't relate to reality. And, and it's not something that's very hard to, to dig up. And so I, uh, with him, <laughs> you know, that the whole notion of calling journalists enemy of the people just, just rankled me so badly. You know, we are the representatives of the people. Because of what our president calling uh, journalists the enemy of the people is what I, I felt compelled to write a story that showed that they were in fact not enemies, but they were representatives, they're upholders and protectors of the people. I like that. I like that a lot. Right now, you have two or three books out in that series. Uh, right now, I have two, but I've, I've just finished up a third, um, mm -hmm. which is actually a uh, prequel. Um, it's uh, It takes my character, Kyle Dawson, and puts him in Afghanistan. And uh, it takes place sequentially before these other two novels. So it's, I don't know, I'm not selling it as a, I'm I, well, I, I, I'm still, it's, it's with an agent right now. So um, I don't know if I'm gonna wanna sell it as a prequel, but I just as a, another part of the series, but it takes place uh, in advance. And I, um, in advance of the other two. And the reason um, I, I said it in Afghanistan is I've, really wanted dearly to spend to write a book about Afghanistan a fic in a fictional way. I have a nonfiction book about Afghanistan and uh, it's called uh, Above the Din of War. And I spent two years uh, as a consultant working in Afghanistan. I really like the country and, uh, and the people, of course, but um, I just, I always, you know, like I said, I wrote a nonfiction book about it, but I wanted to set uh, uh, a fictional book there. So that's how that came about. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, uh, your fiction does seem to be informed to a great extent by your um, nonfiction. Do you require much additional research when you're writing fiction? You know, I, I really don't. I've... Um, uh, I pretty much draw on my experiences and uh, they shape, you know, or, uh, provide a good backdrop for, uh, for what I want to write. And, uh, um, you know, I was, you know, looking at other works of fiction that are set in foreign locations and um, depending on the writer, uh, you know, it varies a lot, but Generally, you know, the way fiction is structured, the focus is on the characters 
and their interactions and there's less of an emphasis on uh you know detailed descriptions about uh the location you know it's not always true i know they can come up with many exceptions to that but the focus of the story is always the characters and secondarily is a backdrop you know i know a lot of times to uh uh, you know, like say with somebody like Hemingway setting his, uh, you know, story uh, in Pamplona, Spain, or the for the running of the bulls. Of course, that's really exotic. But even so, you still have the focus on the main characters and what they're doing, uh, and that that's that's the real story. It always comes down to the characters, I think. I mean, setting yeah. can can make a book as well, but. Um... Characters are are essential. Good characters are essential to fiction, to yes. good fiction. Um, so I noticed that Dawson has a kind of a sidekick, and somebody named Raúl Garcia. Is Garcia <laughs> kind of like your tough guy sidekick in the same vein as, say, Hawk Dispenser in the Spencer novels? Yeah, that's exactly a good way to <laughs> a good way to put it. Uh, you know. Um, I wanted to have somebody, uh, somebody in there, like you said, like a, a tough guy, somebody who can carry a gun, is authorized to carry a gun. And I, um, I've, although I've, I can't say, it, generally speaking, you know, journalists don't arm themselves, but I'm sure we can find exceptions. But <laughs> like, uh, from my own personal experiences working in Afghanistan, uh, depending on, well, if we were going out into Taliban country, I always went with armed guards. And uh, I went with the trans, fortunately I, I had some really good Afghan people who worked for me as translators. And they're the ones that made the arrangements, they arranged for the transportation, they arranged for security. And um, we, uh, you know, we would have, you know, uh, discussions about what, you know, how safe it is to go someplace or how unsafe it is. And, uh, you know, luckily with telephone service being, you know, relatively good, we, uh, we could call into the villages ahead and see if how it was doing, you know, was the Taliban near or had they been there recently? And the locals, the locals knew, uh, you know, when it was safe and when it wasn't safe and they knew what routes to come in and, so we would take precautions, you know, common sense precautions. And anyway, oh, I wanted to, I used all that to, um, you know, <laughs> as, as backdrop for my, for my books. My gosh, your real life experiences sound more fascinating than fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been, um, I know a lot of people thought it was crazy when I went back for a second year in Afghanistan, but I wanted to, um, I'd been there the first year and then the opportunity came up, you know, six or seven years later <clears throat> to go back. And I thought, you know, I want to write a book about this. So I'm going to go back and uh, I set up my schedule so that I was uh, in my my work so that I was able to travel around the country and I would travel with local journalists, most of whom spoke English and <clears throat> we had drivers and that kind of thing. So I could, uh, 
um, you know, we knew what was going on, where we could go, when we could go, how long we could stay, that kind of thing. And we could, um, they were the ones that set up the interviews. If we had to like interview a villager or village chieftain or something outside of his village, then we could set that up and we would make arrangements to do that so that everybody was, you know, uh, comfortable with the situation. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I've been reading a lot about female Marines and uh -huh. their, their role as, um, int not interpreters, but uh, as... Security? Security and liaison in a way. Right, right. And information gatherers. So, very yeah, quite, quite often they're the eyes and ears that are out there in the out on the front so to speak but in the more remote areas where um you're, you're more more likely to find taliban than you are you know in the more you know larger population areas well this is a fascinating topic i gotta tell you um, <laughs> and the idea of making it the backdrop for your fiction is very intriguing um, uh -huh. what's the latest thing you're working on now well, I just finished up a book and um, uh, that's a, like I said, uh, uh, it's a, it's a prequel and it's called, uh, it's called The Correspondent. And um, it's set, um, uh, like I said, ahead of these other ones. And that's, a, I'm kind of uh, looking for my, uh, at the moment I'm, uh, like I said, it's sitting with an agent, so I'm waiting to uh, <clears throat> to hear back. And um, I have a if I can't uh, if I can't get it with the people I'd like to get it with in New York, I can. I always uh, as a, a mid-sized publisher here in Denver that really likes my work, and um, so I can always go with them. But I prefer to get a go with the biggest biggest publishing house possible. That's understandable. Um, and uh, can you give us a brief description of what your late, the latest one, I mean, when I say the latest, I mean, um, Enemy of the People, that one is about. Yeah. What's the story about? Well, uh, Enemy of the People, like I said, was inspired by our um, president calling journalists the enemy of the people. <laughs> and so I, uh, I said it where uh, in a place I knew um, no no well. I lived in New Mexico for a long time, and um, <clears throat> so I set it in a resort um, area in uh, in northern New Mexico, which is fictional. But there, you know, Taos is of course a ski area, but then there's another uh, uh, ski area up there called Angel Fire, and. Uh, it's a it's a really beautiful summer resort as well as winter resort, and as, so I decided to set it up there because there's a it would be a I thought it would be a perfect place to have a semi secret meeting between the president and say his um, uh, high ranking opposition, like which would be the um, you know the president pro tem of the Senate and then Speaker of the House. He's, 
uh, if you're in a situation which I was, what I had in mind was uh, a situation where um, President Obama was a liberal president and he was faced with uh, Republican majorities in the, or at least significant uh, Republican conservatives in both houses. So it requires this delicate balance of, um, uh, you know, political give and take. And so I wanted to, I thought, well, what if I put these three people, uh, these three key individuals in a resort? And the reason they're there, of course, is to work out some kind of secret deal where they can each accomplish pieces of their agenda. You know, it's not completely secret, but like semi-secret. They got a small coterie of the press there. They're having meetings. And I thought it had the the political legitimacy that that was necessary. And I wanted to put it in a rem relatively remote location. And uh, so I, I put it in like a, like a resort in, in northern New Mexico. And, uh, and I also, being in New Mexico, it also gave it access to um, what I would call the terrorist groups who I, in my story, like they come up through Mexico. Um, and then, uh, you know, they're very focused on what they're going to do and uh, taking the president or at least holding them hostage. And, uh, and I, the other thing is I've also, one of my nonfiction books is, um, is about the U.S. situation along the U.S.-Mexico borders called The Dangerous Divide. And um, I spent, you know, many months, uh, well, besides living in, in New Mexico, but I spent a lot of time traveling up along the border, going to, you know, in Tucson and then in New Mexico. And... Um, to get a sense of it, and it, the the reality is, despite um, <laughs> what President Trump says about border security, uh, there's a lot of open areas that are just open, open desert, and in some instances, there's nothing but a a barbed wire fence that's uh, fallen down and rusted. So you know, like President Trump is very concerned about. Uh, you know, and it, what he calls an open border, but it's been like that for, I don't know, probably a hundred years. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not as much of a problem as he would like it to be, partly because we're, there are vast stretches of desert there where it's, it's just dangerous to cross. You know, you need to have provisions, you need to have transportation, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sure, you know, that's where, uh, you know, of course, as you can imagine, that's where a lot of the illegal drugs come across and that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is it, it's not, it's not like having an open door or you have millions of people uh, pouring through into this country. And the, the reality is just, that's just not the reality of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, with my familiarity with the border, uh, I uh, just wanted to use that as a as a backdrop. Well, your your fiction really does sound intriguing, as well as your nonfiction. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we finish up? Um, 
no, I've uh, I continue to uh, you know to uh, work on fiction that's based on my either my personal experiences or my travels, and um, one of the one of the ideas I've always had um, with my fiction is to bring some of these foreign locations where I've lived you know, bring them to life, you know, bring them into people's lives by setting my fictional stories there. And um, not only, you know, you know, my ideal is to not only transport people into another world via the characters, but also to transport them into places, exotic places where they've never been via the, the backdrops and the settings. Well, that's fantastic. I think that's a great thing. And right, well. um, it's nice to, to see somebody using uh, travel in that way. I mean, I, I know other authors who do that, but um, using travel in that manner you know, to express a place and, and people in it, you know, um, it's really good. And having you know. a journalism background, I think, helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I really uh, informed. I mean, it, it influences my fiction a lot. I had somebody... Uh, without, I don't going over time, but I had someone um, comment that uh, my uh, they were looking at my fiction and saying, "Well, your your paragraphs are very short." <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I looked back and I said, "Yeah, I just just got it. You know, definitely is my uh, it's got to be my journalism background." But then I, um, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, uh, the mystery writer Tony Hillerman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, his daughter and I were really good friends. We worked together, and she's now writing fiction, and she's picked up the thread uh, of her father, and uh, she's writing uh, mystery novels that um, use the same characters, and she and she's added a female uh, Navajo detective to the. Anyway, so she and I are good friends, but she. Uh, she also writes those short paragraphs. I was just reading, I'm reading one of her books right now. <laughs> but I, th I think, I don't know, I think it, it, that's kind of a trend, uh, especially in, in popular fiction now. It's a lot of short paragraphs, lots of dialogue. And uh, I agree. And I'm yeah. totally into that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, it makes for a good fast read, you know, and I think it's a, uh, I think it's good because one, people are like right now we're, you know, we're on the internet and people spend a tremendous amount of time on the internet reading. And uh, so, you know, you need to have something that's fast paced that grabs people's attention. You know, there's these long ponderous novels are a thing of the past, I think. I agree. I agree with you there. A lot of people yeah. are writing shorter now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. I so saw 70 to 70, 80,000 word novels is not unusual at all. Yeah. And um, not that bad a thing, really. Right, right. <laughs> or even shorter. Lots of novellas are coming out now. Um, well, Peter, I just want to thank you for being here. It's really right. great to have you on. Well, I've enjoyed it very much, and I appreciate the, uh, the call. And sorry we had that <laughs> clunky. Uh, clunkiness to get connected but no problem hey we, we managed to muscle through it so um just i'll just say let's hear it for the fourth state and for journalists 
Yeah. It's only the First Amendment, right, folks? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And on that note, I'll just add that you can find the Crime Cafe nine book set and short story anthology on all major retailers, or you can get a copy when you become a patron on Patreon of the podcast. In fact, I'm thinking of further expanding the content I'm going to provide to patrons of the podcast there. In the meantime, look for the podcast and the books on my website, debbiemack.com, D-E-B-B-I-M-A-C-K.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you in two weeks when our guest will be Richard Cahill, Jr. And in the meantime, happy reading.